Welcome to the Pursue Whole Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Maurer, and in this podcast, I share my insights as a leadership coach and former therapist. I sit down with some of the highest level leaders in business, entertainment, and human performance to help you pursue wholeness in your work, life, and relationships. Thanks for joining me. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone, and welcome back. At this point in the year, you're probably wondering what specific things you should be focusing on in order to bring about the greatest success in business and leadership. Success doesn't always come from doing more, but instead, success really comes from prioritizing what matters most. It's actually the elimination of more that often provides us as leaders space and energy to pursue behaviors that most serve us as leaders. Today, we're narrowing it down and looking at four behaviors that you can incorporate into your life as a leader that will bring about success and growth. These four behaviors come from the CEO Genome Project, which was a 10-year study done to assess and identify the top behaviors of some of the world's most successful CEOs. Over this 10-year period, researchers scanned through about 17,000 assessments of C-suite executives, including 2,000 CEOs, to analyze various aspects such as their career history, business results, and behavioral patterns. If success is about elimination of what matters least in life, then we need to focus on the few behaviors that bring about the greatest return on our investment. So let's dig in. Here are the four key behaviors that were directly correlated to success as a CEO. Number one, the ability to be decisive. Number two, the ability to understand people through listening. Number three, the ability to adapt to change. Number four, the ability to reliably produce results over the long term. I'm going to briefly discuss each one of these findings and share my expertise on what I believe are the emotional and relational barriers that keep leaders from succeeding in these four behaviors. First, decisive CEOs were 12 times more likely to be high-performing because of their ability to make decisions earlier, faster, and with greater conviction. What they found was that making a bad decision was in most cases better than not making a decision at all. What's interesting is that it was actually those leaders with the highest IQ who struggled the most to make these decisive decisions. And I think this is primarily due because there's an overactivation in that analytical brain, which is trying to play out every scenario and outcome. And typically when we're so rational in our approach, we typically see the world as binary, yes and no right and wrong, black and white. And this can actually impede our ability to act and make decisions, especially when we don't have all the details around us to be able to make an informed decision. So here are two important questions to ask yourself as you seek to pursue being a more decisive leader. Number one, what's the impact of making a wrong decision? And is it able to be undone at some point down the road? Number two, What's the impact of getting stuck and not making a decision quick enough? You need to go through both of those questions and assess what's worse, not making a decision or making a decision that's wrong. These two questions should allow you to take action more quickly with greater clarity and with deeper conviction. While being a decisive leader is a key component of success, we have to ask, what is it that keeps so many leaders from being decisive? What causes that analysis paralysis and that feeling of freezing when a decision is before you? From what I've seen in working with hundreds of leaders, this comes down to two main barriers. Number one, fear of disappointing people. And number two, high levels of stress and trauma. The first reason leaders struggle to be decisive is because they fear disappointing others. 
If you're trying to make everyone happy as a leader, you're going to be miserable in the short term and completely lost about who you are and the vision of the organization in the long term. You'll be so focused on what others want from you that you'll lose the conviction of who you are and what you're called to do. These leaders will say yes to almost everyone and everything, and everything will become important in their life. They can easily list off what they do, but they struggle to list off what they do not do. And they lose touch with who they truly are because they're unable to define who they are not. If you fear letting people down, you will ultimately struggle to feel empowered to make decisions with courage, clarity, and conviction. The other reason leaders struggle to be decisive is because they are ruled by stress or unresolved trauma. Stress and trauma disrupt that prefrontal cortex portion of the brain, which is responsible for assessing, analyzing, and making logical decisions. If we have unresolved trauma in our body or brain or simply don't know how to offload stress properly, we're not going to be able to access our decision-making part of the brain. And instead, leaders are typically going to be stuck down in that survival or emotional brain, which is more than likely driven by fear and this desire to want to please the people around us. If you cannot face your fear of disappointing people or are simply flooded with stress, you will not be able to make decisions decisively. The second key behavior that was identified in this study as leading to successful outcomes was the ability to listen to the needs and feelings of others. This ability to gather information was essential to creating products and services that meet the unique needs of key stakeholders. If you can't sit down and listen or know and understand someone who's sitting across from you or a customer, you're not going to be able to meet them in their emotions or what they deeply crave as people. Emotional intelligence is a key contributor to recognizing and understanding the emotions of others. It was this skill that allowed these leaders to gather buy-in from their team and key stakeholders because they knew what those people needed and wanted. While this ability to attune to the needs of others can be learned, there are really two key things that keep leaders from being able to tap into this superpower. The first is lack of self-empathy, and the second is distracted by the allure of more. First, Leaders who are critical of themselves, who lack that self-empathy, will find it very difficult to not project that same criticism upon the people sitting across from them. Instead of listening with curiosity and openness, these leaders will feel judgment and will be overly critical towards a person sitting across from them. They'll be saying things like, why aren't you moving faster? Or why can't you just get this done? And what's worse, humans are very intelligent and they can actually pick up on whether someone is ready to be compassionate or critical. They can feel that energy and they can read body language. When we notice someone is critical who we're sitting across from, we don't open up more. We actually stop talking. We stop sharing our feelings. And we often share information that's less authentic. And sometimes we'll share information that's actually not true because we don't feel safe to open up authentically with the person sitting across from us. Why would you open up if you knew the person sitting across from you was going to be judgmental or critical? And if you, as a leader, lack empathy on yourself you're not going to be able to show proper empathy to the person sitting across from you. We cannot simply speak to ourselves harshly when we make a mistake and then turn around and be gracious to others when they fail. More than likely, the person will feel the incongruence and that relationship will eventually break down. If you want to listen and gain valuable insights from stakeholders, then you need to suspend judgment by having a warm and gracious view of yourself. Secondly, you're not going to be able to listen well if you're distracted by the allure of more. Leaders will struggle to listen well if their emotional and mental hard drive is taken up by a hundred or a thousand other projects, anxieties, and people. 
It's almost impossible to be present with someone if we are constantly thinking about the next thing on our agenda. And if you cannot stay present with someone, we will miss those key insights into what are they needing, what are they wanting, what are their desires. Listening to the needs and desires of stakeholders and key team members is essential to success. But if we cannot cultivate a healthy sense of presence, focus, and emotional intelligence, we will miss our opportunity for growth and success. The third key behavior that leads to success that these researchers found was the ability to adapt to change. CEOs who maintained an agile stance towards change were 6.7 times more likely to succeed than those who resisted change or who were inflexible or myopic in their thinking. All growth requires change and adjustment, and those leaders who bend to that change will reap the benefits. One of the reasons these leaders were able to embrace change so gracefully was because their ability to focus on the long-term perspective that is in front of them. In fact, adaptable CEOs spent 50% more time focusing on the long-term goals and rarely identified setbacks as failure. So they looked ahead, and when they had failure, they saw it as an opportunity to do better. They saw it as an opportunity for growth. So what are the emotional barriers that keep CEOs focused on those immediate fires in front of them rather than having that long-term vision of adaptability? There's one key barrier that I've seen over and over again in leaders that I've worked with, and that is the need for control. CEOs who consistently need to be in control or have to know exactly what's going on at all levels within an organization will always lack that long-term perspective. Leaders believe that if they control the process, they can guarantee the outcome, yet this is entirely wrong. Control happens within a leader when we feel so overwhelmed and out of control on the inside that we try to force or fix or control our outer world as an attempt to soothe the chaos that's on the inside. This attempt to alleviate that anxiety or that fear or that distress inside only breaks down relationships and it's going to impede progress on the outside functioning on teams, but then also within other organizations. If leaders are consistently needing to be in control, they will not be able to step back for an hour, a day, or even a week to look ahead at what matters most. Control keeps us focused on current stressors rather than allowing us to observe future possibilities. We cannot focus on the long-term perspective unless we let go of control and begin to trust the process and the people around us. Lastly, the CEO Genome Project found that successful CEOs had the ability to reliably produce results over a long period of time. In fact, this made them 15 times more likely to succeed than those who failed to reliably produce results over the long term. Now, everyone can produce results for a day or a week or a month, or even a year, but it was the steady hand of these CEOs that garnished trust from their boards and executive team members. Their commitments were stable as steel, and they always followed through on their word. Now, one of the key contributing factors for these CEOs to be able to do this was that they actually surrounded themselves with people, accountability, processes, and systems that helped them maintain this reliability. It wasn't just because it was a part of their personality. They created systems and structures around them to help them succeed and be committed in the long term. They didn't simply depend on themselves and their own energy, but had multiple people and processes surrounding them in their commitments. So what is it that contributes to so many CEOs flaming out over months or even years? Well, I think it comes down to two key things. Number one, lack of energy regulation, and number two, lack of filtration systems in their commitments. So let me explain this. First, 
In order to maintain a cadence and rhythm as a successful CEO, you have to be mindful of everything that is giving or taking away from your physical, mental, or emotional energy. You only have so much energy in a day, and you have to be aware of what's coming in and what's going out as far as your energy stores. Do you get high-quality sleep at night for more than five or six hours? Do you exercise to increase blood flow or metabolism, flexibility, and energy? Do you offload stress through walks, bike rides, yoga, or kickboxing? Do you read for pleasure and do activities out of joy and adventure? Do you spend time with people and talk to your spouse and play with your kids? Do you close your eyes and quiet your surroundings when you feel your nervous system is overactivated? If you don't know how to increase or decrease your energy physically and emotionally, you will be at the whim of your surroundings. And most of our surroundings in the workplace are way too energized. It's too much people, too much conflict, too much noise, and too much activity. If this is the case, it'll be extremely difficult to maintain long periods of consistent energy throughout the day. On the flip side, if your workplace is too quiet or slow or dark or cold, it's actually going to be pretty difficult for you to find that energy needed to optimize your performance. So in order to be successful as a CEO, you have to be watchful of your energy throughout the day and adjust it accordingly in order to maintain reliable results over and over again for a duration of your role within that company. It could be a year, it could be five years, or it could be 50 years. But you have to maintain consistency because that is one of the key contributing factors that led to success. Lastly, leaders failed to produce reliable results because they did not know how to say no. It is impossible to fulfill commitments when you make three new commitments every time you see or talk to someone. I should send you this. I'm going to get this to you. Or I should connect you with so-and-so. In order to succeed in long-term commitments or have long-term energy, we need to have a filter on what comes out of our mouth. Instead of saying yes immediately, we need to use filtration words such as, let me think about that, or... I will need to look at my other commitments and see if I can make this work. Your ability to control your yes and no's in life will have a direct correlation on your ability to produce reliable results over the long haul. In conclusion, if you're struggling to know what to focus on as a CEO, you can rest assured that practicing these four behaviors will skyrocket your success. So remember, a highly successful CEO is regimented in their ability to be decisive, listen well, adapt to change, and produce reliable results. Remember, wholeness is not about arriving somewhere. It's not about being perfect. It's not about getting to the end of the road. It's about pursuing a pathway that leads to life, joy, purpose, and intention. So as you pursue wholeness, put these four behaviors in your backpack and implement them every single day. Take care, everyone, and I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. For more resources, links, and show notes, visit pursuewhole.com and click podcast. Before we go, it would be extremely helpful if you would please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you find this podcast. This helps me understand my audience better and serve more leaders such as yourself. That's it for me this week. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or other social platforms, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Pursue Whole podcast. Pursue Whole.